1: The premier podcast for all things Penn State football.
0: Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect
1: of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones.
0: Dave Jones, Bob Flounders, Kaiser Jones Uh, For those of you who are are not watching in the video or just listening to the podcast, Kaiser Jones is very antsy. He's right at Dave's feet, and he wants to play. So we're going to try to accommodate him.
1: He wants his breakfast, and he hasn't been fed, and he's usually. But now he's resentful. That's his (laughs) resentful expression.
0: The things you have to put up with in Downingtown, Dave, it's incredible. It's incredible.
1: It's a beautiful day in Downingtown, Bob, and I got a seat. I got a seat on the flight to Atlanta. I am a happy man because airlines today, they will screw you. They will screw you if they can screw you, as you well know. I do. And and I was very afraid. I, I should have been very afraid, but I got on last night and there was a seat. And I gladly bought it for another $32. But American Airlines did what they got to do and they soaked me, uh, soaked the company for another $32. But I seen it.
0: <laughs> well, you know what, Dave? that $32 is worth it cuz you're going to go to Jordan Harris Stadium to see Penn State and Auburn play. I think it's a fascinating matchup. 3:30 on Saturday. It's going to be nice and warm. You get to go to your favorite state Alabama. So what what could possibly go wrong?
1: You got to say that right. It's Jordan. You know that, right? They don't say Jordan. I don't really
0: care, but I'm glad you brought it up.
1: Well, you you're, you're going to care if you say that down there.
0: I'm going to say Jordan. <laughs> How is Steve Bench doing? That's the that's the dad of former Penn State quarterback here.
1: Yeah, I told you guys yesterday.
0: So I heard the quote about Joe.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and most of you know by now what Joe, what Joe Irma looks like. Kind of looks pure, like pure Scranton, straight Scranton, wouldn't you say? And and Steve Bench, the father of Steve and Bench, he used to be the quarterback uh, a decade ago for a moment there in the Matt McGloin era. He played at uh, the Virginia game in, in 2012. We be, became friends back then and we've remained friends. And, you know, we haven't been down there since 2010. You know, it's been a, a while since we've been down there.
0: That was the game where Joe yelled at Mark Brennan after the game because he, he said he told him to get a hearing aid.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, say what I said. Get Get a hearing aid. Yeah. <laughs> We laughed on that all the way back from uh, from Tuscaloosa to Birmingham. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Steve said, uh, "You guys get in trouble. You boys get in trouble. You all get in trouble down there. You 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 follow Joe because Joe 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 Hermit. A lot of people in Alabama look like Joe. <laughs> I
0: find that hard to believe, but I'm going to trust Steve Bench. <laughs>
1: I, I I lost it. I laughed so hard. Anyway, yes. Uh, well, what are you, hearing? What do you think? Uh, did you watch the San Jose tape?
0: I did not watch the San Jose tape. Sorry. No, I wasn't that consumed. I know you probably would.
1: I did. Yeah, I've been talking to my Alabama boys. I got a few. In fact, we were, we were going to try to get Jay Tate on here. Who I met twenty years ago at the Capital One Bowl that scintillating thirteen to nine game. You're going to have a retrospective on that, Bob. Maybe my
0: first my first Penn State bowl game as a, as, a, as a coverage guy for the Patriot News, and what a game it was!
1: A windy day, and uh, it was not good for Zach Mills or Michael Robertson or, or basically anyone. Larry Johnson mainly. Who he was really like, in a good mood afterward. Flipped out afterward that he didn't get the ball enough, but they were stopping him. And Auburn had a couple of guys named Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams who uh, could run the ball. You know who they
0: redshirted that year? He didn't even play Brandon Jacobs.
1: Talk about loaded. They've always been loaded. They've always been loaded at running back. And uh, that's when I met Jay Tate, who was working for the Montgomery Advertiser at the time and has been working for, uh, I believe it is 24-7 site now and is does does great, great work. Uh, Talked to um, – Uh, One of their talk show guys down there and talked to some other people, and they are all picking Penn State. I think probably everyone on our beat's picking Penn State. Have you made a decision yet or not?
0: Yeah, I picked Auburn.
1: I am leaning that way, but I, I never would have believed I'd even consider Penn State until now. It's a uh, a something show down there, uh, not only with Brian Harson, who's just a total fish out of water, but also with uh, the quarterback situation. T.J. Finley uh, looks like he's going to be the guy, and they don't have a good quarterback anywhere uh, on the roster that they really can depend him on. And the par- problem is that Brian Harson's a Chris Peterson, Boise State quarterback-centered guy. I mean, he is not... Jim Harbaugh, or Kirk Ferentz, who's going to win a game uh, by playing great defense and winning special teams and making the quarterback a widget like Wisconsin or something. They, he He's used to having quarterbacks who can really perform and do the bulk of the heavy lifting on offense, and now he's got – he didn't have one. <laughs> if you watch the San Jose State game, you know it's trouble down there. So people – while Penn State fans might be – upset a little bit with Sean Clifford. Believe me, Auburn fans are jealous of Sean Clifford and Penn State.
0: We got to see a not great quarterback for Auburn last year, Bo Nix. I just think that's, uh, I don't want to say par for the course the last couple of years, but it's to me, Dave, it's it's going to be, can, can Penn State block their front? Can Penn State's linebackers stop the run game? I'm just not sure that they can. You were right at the Purdue game. Purdue went pass happy at the end. Got away from the run. Had they stayed with it, I don't know that Penn State would have survived that game. And Purdue's not necessarily a great running team. So I want to see them against these two running backs.
1: Particularly, you want to see Penn State's front six, don't you? Because I don't think – that's the problem with me. To me, this game distills to one thing, and that is Brian Harson really did not have a choice. But to ride with his running game behind a pretty good offensive line that hasn't been as good as they thought it would be, that lost its center, A couple of weeks ago, it's kind of thrown it for a loop. So they haven't run the ball as successfully with Tank Bigsby as they have before. I don't even think he's probably their best back, but the 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 kid behind him, um, Jarquez Hunter, is probably their best back. But they're a good combination because Bigsby's just straight ahead like a battering ram, and Hunter's got some wiggle in him, and they're, they're they're very complimentary. But that's their offense, and anything else is just going to have to be play action, and you know what you're going to deal with. So, so I'm sure uh, Manny Diaz will pack the box, uh, play man. Nine
0: guys in the box, not eight, nine.
1: Yeah, and, and we will see what we will see there. The question is, last year, if you remember in the twenty-eight twenty 20 game, They got the running game going, Auburn did, in the second half. And I think it was a process of wearing down Penn State's defense. And while the Big Ten has this reputation of smash-mouth football, other than Wisconsin and maybe Michigan last year, it really isn't. It's turned into kind of a speed conference that would rather run around you than run through you. And I don't think Penn State saw a better running game all year, including – Including Ohio State, than they did with Auburn last well,
0: year. Arkansas, another SEC team, ran it on him. Right, right, correct. But yeah, I agree. I agree, Dave, and I do think the way that Penn State can win this game and maybe win it comfortably is if something happens early in the game and Auburn gets down double digits. I mean, they're they're in a lot of trouble. But they're in a lot
1: of trouble if yeah. they
0: dictate. If they can dictate terms and they can uh, hurry Clifford and the you know Caden Wallace and those guys struggle and there's some turnovers and they get up. Uh, and they have the ball with the lead in the fourth quarter. I don't know that Penn State's defense can stop that running game. I really don't. I mean, that's those are two talented backs. Penn State is light at linebacker right now. They, they like their freshman, Abdul Carter, but he's still he's still a little bit inexperienced. Look, Dave, we talked about it, that maybe the strength of the Penn State's defense is it's secondary. And when you play Auburn... That doesn't really matter that much. No,
1: it doesn't. And that's what I've been trying to tell these guys in Alabama. I said their secondary is really good. But if Brian, Brian Harson's a pretty good coach, he might be, uh, look like an automaton, but he's <laughs> he is a pretty good football coach and he's got eyes and he can see that you do not want to challenge that secondary with TJ Finley, it, it, especially not the, the running component, the, the running quarterback they got. The question is this, who makes the first big turnover? I think that's the question.
0: Well, neither team's turned it over a lot except for when Auburn's thrown it. That's when it has gone horribly wrong when they've thrown it.
1: Yeah, well, um, I think Penn State fans are all familiar with what can happen with Sean Clifford when he tries to make a play. And he tries to eject from the pocket and go freelance. And while he's Pretty fast in straight line speed, I would not call him elusive, and he keeps thinking he's elusive. He's not really elusive. You know what I mean? he gets He gets in trouble when he does that, and you don't want to mess with these guys. I mean, they' got a the, Auburn's got a guy in the front named Derek Hall who is a problem. Um, he is number 29 and look out for this this guy. He, he can be an edge rusher. They can put him everywhere and he's the guy you got to worry about if if Clifford busts the pocket. He's the guy that could come right at him like a heat seeking missile, punch the ball away. And then you've got a situation where Auburn gets I think Auburn really needs to to your point needs to get the lead first because if they get behind, either team gets behind and they're kind of in trouble. Penn State's passing game has an opportunity though because Auburn's defense is kind of like a mirror image of Penn State's, uh, I mean, a backward image of Penn State's, in that their strength is up front, but their secondary is questionable, and their linebacker layer is not that great. And I think if you throw underneath against these guys, underneath against zone coverage, you can succeed. So I think Parker Washington is also a very, very big component in this game.
0: Yeah, Dave, last last year's game – I mean, they had they had McCready uh, at corner, and he actually picked Clifford off last year. But that was a pretty good, I thought, Auburn defense. Later in the year, they, they gave Alabama all they wanted, and they were shutting them out in the fourth quarter. Penn State's tight ends really showed up last year in that game. Theo Johnson had a big catch. Brenton Strange had 70 yards and a touchdown in that game. And even Warren, uh, they used him as a wildcat quarterback to score on a run, so maybe that doesn't count. But you just wonder if Theo Johnson is back. Maybe, you'll, maybe you could see some two tight end sets because they really gave Auburn problems last year with their tight ends.
1: And those guys running underneath would be very uh, usable against this defense. I think it's imperative that Sean Clifford either get the ball out or throw it away. He does not want to be freelancing with scrambles against this defense. Get the ball out, throw it away, don't turn it over, punt if you have to. Don't be afraid of punting. They've got a very good punter. You want to keep field position and keep from making giveaways against this team because the the evidence is that they might not be able to score without giveaways. Manny Diaz is going to pack the box. He is going to play a lot of man. And they're they're going to have eight, nine in the box. And it's going to be very hard to run against Penn State, at least early in the game. I think they're going to try to wear them down, wear them down, wear them down, and maybe have success in the second half. But – you know where we're going here. Is the number still 52? I looked a couple days ago. It's got to be coming down, right? It's 48. Yeah. I'd still go under, wouldn't you?
0: Yes. Yes, I would. I th- I think you're right. I think both teams we're going to play it very close to the vest. And I think in the fourth quarter, if it's a close game, I don't know that you're going to see either team on offense necessarily going for the jugular. I think it'll be, <laughs> if, you know, you know, look, if you're James Franklin and you have a lead, and you have that punter who is pinning people inside their ten, and you know they can't throw the ball. I don't know how. I don't know how aggressive you're going to be on offense. You're going to trust your punter. You're going to trust your defense, and we'll see what happens. But I, I do agree with you, Dave. Unless there's some turnovers or some huge plays in the kicking game, it does line up to me like a game that's probably going to be in in the low twenties.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could even see nineteen seventeen, something like that. Certainly the only team that can win this going away is Penn State. If, if it's going to be a double-digit difference, I, I can't imagine it being Auburn. It's going to be Penn State winning. And that's why they, I believe they're still favored by two or three. It is three. I haven't decided yet. I guess i got to decide today, don't I, what the you're pick is? You're going to make
0: is? a pick on this podcast, young man. Oh, I am? Yeah. And then you're going to email your pick to uh, the newspaper side.
1: It's a really hard, a really hard pick. Because we just don't know enough about the teams. And I I think you would be concerned as a Penn State fan about Penn State's front. Can they hold up and can can the safeties be physical enough in support against the running game to keep Auburn from moving the sticks? If they can do that for the whole game – And also what happens if Auburn decides to – and I would do this. I wouldn't even play Finley. I would play Robbie Ashford, the dual threat, and and run nine linemen and three tight ends and just pound. And even if it doesn't work at first, I would keep pounding and keep pounding. But I don't know that Brian Harson is going to do that. So there's too many things we don't know. If he did that, I think it would work. Do you think that?
0: It worked for Illinois last year. I mean, it's certainly out there on tape. So if they've been watching that – and they they have some pretty good – I mean, I really like Chase Brown and the – was it McCrary, the other guy for Illinois? They're good backs, but I think I would take Auburn's backs over those two.
1: And I'm not sure this defense is as physical as that one, right? So I'm going to go with Auburn 19-17. to All right.
0: All right. Uh, I'm going to – I picked it for the – I picked it 24-23, and uh, I just – there, there's absolutely you're, you put it you put it the right way, Dave. If, if the game, if there's a double digit winner in this game, it's probably it's Penn State. It's probably not Auburn. It, it's they they have they have more weapons. I think they're the more well rounded team. Um, I like their special teams as well. But it, they they are on the road. It is going to be loud. And Auburn, what they do well, they can do really well. Whether it's uh, with their defensive front or with their running game. I thought Penn State dodged a bullet at Purdue, and I think uh, I think maybe I don't know that if it, they're in that situation again, they can pull it off.
1: And their defense in that game played to Purdue's strengths. I mean, they were they were ready for what Purdue did best. I'm not sure they're ready for what Auburn does best.
0: If you're Penn State, do you give do you give Aller a series in this game, no matter what, or do you just let 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 the script play
1: out? If you're going. To win this game, this is what you're counting on, I think. If you're, if it, there are games where teams make four giveaways and still win, I don't think this is going to be one of them. And you're counting on Sean Clifford to make pretty much an error-free game. If he continues to be prudent and error-free, leave him in there. I don't think you want any kid in this game. It's it's going to be, I don't care how poised he is and Drew Allar has looked poised and looked like he fits the part. He has presented a good facade so far, but this is going to be a different animal than Purdue was. Uh, This is SEC football, SEC venue, and these people take football seriously down there, and it will get seriously loud. I don't think you want a kid in that situation if you can help it. I I say you you stay with your 60-year senior as long as he performs. If they get into the second quarter and they're not moving the ball, all bets are off. Yeah, sure, sure.
0: Yeah, and I you know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves or get ahead of myself, Dave, but if they're not moving the ball in the second quarter and Drew comes in and he has his moments and even if they lose closer, they, they pull it out. That's valuable, yeah. Well, I was going to say that might be a wrap.
1: Yeah, that's valuable to the team. That's a wrap. Yeah, I would. I would agree.
0: Given the, given the two opponents after this game, Dave Central Michigan and Northwestern, if he if it if it goes that way, they have the perfect runway to get him ready for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, if he can handle this, he can handle anything in the Big Ten. You know, he can certainly handle at Michigan, which is kind of a. You know, it's it's got this reputation like it's like it's like other big stadiums. It's it's not. It's not a hard it's not a hard crowd. It's not a tough crowd. It's 100,000, the quietest 100,000 people you'll ever be around. And it's not a stadium that really holds the noise. So if he can if Aller can handle this, if he gets in, he certainly can handle Michigan. It's it's not a, not going to be about the venue. And it, either he performs or he doesn't. I agree with you. I think most Penn State fans would welcome it. I wonder if they would trade a loss in this game, a, a respectable close loss, and in order for that result, they would. They would. They absolutely would. I think they would. I think they actually would. I mean, I still can't.
0: Dave, we talked about it on our post game video. That roar when he came into the game with eleven thirty three left in the third quarter. I knew there was going to be some applause, but that was that was pretty loud, man. That
1: was really loud. Oh, well, you know, it's it's a whole fan base that is always all fan bases root for the new quarterback. They want to see the new quarterback. But Penn State's is notorious They're They're as fickle as it gets because they haven't had that many great quarterbacks down through the back through the decades. What are we talking about? Todd Blackledge and Michael Robinson and Trace McSorley and and what else? Kerry Collins. Kerry Collins and we're talking about decades and decades and really not that many standout quarterbacks. So they're always looking for the next quarterback. It's it's kind of in their DNA. So, so there is that and I get it, but Sean Clifford's been around for six years now and four is a starter. So, you know, this is kind of what you get. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf,
0: a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Leaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. David, did you get any other interesting nuggets from uh, the people you were able to talk to down south about either either the perception of Penn State or or, or what's going on with Auburn? Anything else you want to share with them?
1: The, the main thing is that Brian Harson just does not fit down there, and it's <laughs> it's mystifying how he was hired as a, I believe the, the former AD's name is Alan Green. Uh, I think I've got that right, and he hired him basically. Almost, it, it's uh, almost sounds like Sandy Barber giving James Franklin a seventy thousand $70 million dollar contract. I mean, it, it's almost like they that, that this guy hired Harson out of spite. Alan Green came from Buffalo, and by all indi- indications, accounts, a good guy. He was is struggling with that good old boy network down there, and from what I understand, <laughs> there are. Donor networks who want to have their fingers in the pie all over the South, Texas comes to mind, Tennessee, but Auburn is at the top of that list, and it it is a situation where if if you go against their wishes, they're just going to make things as difficult as possible for you and Brian Harson is a you know he's he he doesn't fit down there at all he's a Mormon. From out west, plays an offense. You know, he's a Boise State guy who is 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 trying to put together an offense that they don't particularly like. They want Smashmouth football. That's what they're bred on. They don't like this guy in any way, and he's not recruiting. He's not recruiting well at all. Which you have to be able to do in the South. You've got to get a whole team full of assistants who can really recruit their asses off and are all about it 24-7, and they are not recruiting. And so it, the the place, it, it almost feels like Scott Frost uh, oh. 2.0. That's that's the main thing that's going on.
0: I knew it was coming, Dave. I knew it was coming. Did I just hear your dog growl in the background?
1: hmm He was a Scott Frost fan, too. <laughs> <one> of the-
0: <laughs> he moaned right when you said Scott Frost. I was like, I really like these <laughs> dog ears, Dave.
1: Everyone, Everyone's a Scott Frost fan.
0: Well, at least it's over. At least it's finally over. At least that chapter.
1: Can, can you believe they couldn't even wait two weeks? I mean, they basically threw seven and a half million dollars to the wind just to get him gone because his his buyout was going to d- decrease. It was going to have on October first, and and Trev Alberts wouldn't wait that long. The the situation was that untenable. Did you watch the Georgia Southern game by any chance? No, no,
0: no. <laughs> that that stat though, that stat that they were two hundred and fourteen and zero when they scored thirty five points at home in Nebraska, and then they lost. Now they're two fourteen and one. I'm like,
1: oh, kind of like the cherry on the crap Sunday, isn't it for Scott Frost? Yeah,
0: I would only ever get to see him at Big Ten Media Days, and he just looked like. I, it was a combination of so many different things. He looked like he was annoyed. He looked like he thought he was better than everyone. He looked like, like I'm going to show you. And I'm like, have you watched your you, how you coach your team? I mean, those one those one possession losses just stacking on top of each other. I mean, it was just Nebraska's fan base is pretty nice. Uh, that still had to be unbearable at the end for them.
1: You know what occurred to me? I got a question in the mailbag uh, yesterday that I published today about Franklin, someone asked, is Franklin the nicest guy of all the coaches you've dealt with? And I, I said, look, <laughs> everything that these guys say and do in front of a mic and a lens is fabricated. It's it's a presentation because that's what you have to do at this level. Nothing, nothing these guys do is really genuine in front of a camera. It's just not. And we would do the same thing were we in their place. And I went into how Franklin is very civil and he's he's easy to deal with in that way. But don't mistake it for being, you know, a nice guy necessarily. He's he's presenting an image. Well, Scott, it occurred to me, I went through everyone in the Big Ten. And the only guy who doesn't even try to present an image was Scott Frost. I am just a Gaping brown a hole, you know, right out in public, and didn't care what anyone thought. Well, that's that's what you get. Oh well,
0: it was it was a nice it was it was nice being. I still I'll always be a Nebraska fan, but boy, you know
1: this guy and Bo Pelini. How about that? How about that, my man? <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. He came from Bo Pelini's charm school. He did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's just really it's just it's just depressing. I know Penn State fans don't want to hear about it, but man. Woo! Did did the uh the bloom is off that rose.
1: Now who do you think they're gonna get there? Who would you get? You're a Dyed in the wool Nebraska fan as a young boy. Of course, when we become reporters, we leave all that stuff aside. But you have followed this program all the way back to Bob Devaney, right? Yeah. You go back that more? I do, I do to the late the very late stage. Yeah, yeah. you know the program. You know what the heritage is. What do you do now? Because it seems to be a point where the heritage is not working for them anymore. They just got to get a football coach. So I got my own ideas. Who would you hire at Nebraska? Well,
0: I know you keep talking about that guy, Lance. Uh, I I I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but you like him. I saw Bruce Feldman had him at the top of his list for Nebraska. Yes, he
1: did yesterday. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I don't know enough about him. I just – you talk about it with Penn State, but Nebraska needs to find its identity. And they have to decide what they want to be, how they want to do it, how they want to build it, stick to it. I just don't sense there's any – that anyone is on the same page. They continually – every time it doesn't work at Nebraska, they pick somebody who's completely different.
1: Mike Riley. <laughs>
0: yeah, and then that doesn't work. And then they go they go the 180 degrees the other way, and they it takes so long – to try and install the new thing, and the minute it doesn't work, they give up on it. I don't know. I, I was really stunned that Frost could not do considerably, considerably better. Uh, but it was pretty clear, I think. Honestly, after the Northwestern loss, you know, in week one, when they tried that onside kick up 11 against Nor- a Northwestern team that I just don't think is very good. I mean, They're not very
1: good. They just lost to Duke.
0: I think Trev had seen all he needed Yeah, I I don't know what they're going to do, but they, they, they better have a plan and they better be able to explain their plan. And it better make sense because I'm not sure what the answer is, but I just remember when they were at their best, they did things a little bit differently than, than everyone else. You know, they were, they were a hard matchup for a lot of different reasons, but. uh, They they ran an offense that not a lot of people did. And they ran it really uh, when they were good, almost to perfection. And. Now it seems like they're trying to be like everyone else and it's just not working.
1: No. And, and to me, right now, you got to make a choice between two polar opposites on offense. Either you go speed or power. Can they recruit speed in the middle of the Corn Belt? I don't think, I don't even think, I said today in the, the letters column, I don't think Mike Loxley could recruit speed in there. Kind of have to be, you have to have a recruiting turf unless you're Ohio State, which is not exactly in the middle of the country where you're close to the coasts where the speed is, either the Gulf or the Atlantic Coast, the Pacific Coast, you gotta have some of those kids in your backyard. Penn State's fortunate in the big Big Ten footprint that they're very close to a lot of those kids in the in the DMV, Virginia, where you get a lot of speed. Nebraska is in a it's not nineteen ninety-five anymore. I don't think they're capable of doing that. They used to recruit Texas fairly well 20 years ago, I think that's out of the picture now. With with uh, the SEC pretty much owning Texas, they got to go three star recruits and power. They got to do the Wisconsin template, and I think they can do that. Uh, but who's the guy to do that? Lance Leipold is just a good, solid, basic football coach. And you remember when he brought Buffalo into Beaver Stadium? And the the fans booed Penn State off the field at halftime because Buffalo had the lead. Oh yeah, that's this, right. Yeah, this is a really good coach, and he's doing it again. He beat te- he beat Texas last year with Kansas athletes. That's all you need to know. They've, they he he was an assistant at Nebraska for three years. You just need a good football coach, man. And and you know somebody else on on in the letters column suggested who I had not even considered. But he's a Big Ten coach. Are you going to say P.J. Fleck? No, uh-huh. no. He was raised on a pig farm. Uh-huh. That should be a, that should be a uh, clue to you. Bielema. Bielema. Yeah. Bielema would not be a bad choice. And it never occurred to me, you know, Bruce Feldman, nobody, you know, uh, uh, Pete Dammel, nobody is mentioning Brett Bielema. But I think the problem is he's he's – He needs at least a seven to five, eight and four season this year to be considered for that job, and they don't—they don't have the horses at Illinois to do that.
0: They'd have to hire multiple cardiologists to surround him to eat because he's just going to eat too much beef. (laughs) He's the Nebraska coach. He'd have to have somebody on call. He would. (laughs)
1: He's—he's got access to all that great pork product out there, and you know, (laughs) he was raised on a pig farm. He—he slopped hogs, man, when he was a kid. On his dad's farm, so uh, if if it would be allowed, which I don't think it will be, because the the Cornhusker faithful are not going to cotton to uh, a, a guy coming off a five and seven season, which Illinois is headed for with those guys. But I don't I don't think that would be a bad choice, really, because he's he's going to be totally unaffected by the Nebraska uh, ethos, the the whole heritage and the weight. It's kind of like Indiana basketball, and in that people people just treat it with. They're talking about things in the past. Although I talked to a couple of Nebraska people that I really trust this last week. And they said people there are so beyond the 90s, the 80s and 90s. All they want is a competitive team. Lance who plays hard. Uh, They would be delighted with eight and four. And Lance Leipold will give you that. It's kind of like a return to Frank Solich. That's who he is. But maybe that's the best they can do. Dave, real quick, Trev
0: Alberts, he did not hire Scott Frost. He came on board after Frost was hired, right? So this would be his first hire. Mm -hmm. So this is – I'm curious to see what Trev does. I really will, if he knows what he's doing. The
1: the, the big question is, will Matt Campbell come down from Iowa State? Matt Campbell's been very choosy. He uh, was high on the list, I believe, for USC. If uh, they hadn't gotten Lincoln Riley, he would have been next and he probably takes that job but is nebraska a better job than iowa state now <laughs>
0: <laughs> was that iowa state iowa under the bet of the year last week <laughs> how, did, how did how did how did i not capitalize on that
1: spencer petrus man and that uh that quick strike iowa offense let's let's not let's not pile on spencer spencer petrus he he, he he lost the two best remaining receivers to injury, and he's got Brian Ferentz coaching the offense. I mean, somebody somebody brought up the Brian Ferentz thing, and you know it does remind you a lot of the the Joe and Jay Paterno experience in two thousand four. Right now, and and I said the difference is that Jay and Galen Hall eventually fixed that thing, and they had a very prolific offense in two thousand five. And in 2008 with Daryl Clark. Yeah, and they they kind of drifted back into irrelevance later around 2010 with Rob Bolden and all that. But at least Jay had his moments. Brian Ferentz has had no moments at all. And he's in his fifth year as the OC and none look impending. Well, Dave, we began this podcast
0: talking about an offense that was suspect in Auburn's. And we're ending it talking about Iowa's suspect offense so I think we've kind of come full circle, and it's time to get out of here and get on a plane in a couple of days and go see what – is it Jordan Hare is all about? Jordan Hare. Yeah,
1: that's right. Jordan Hare. And you can't say Shug Jordan either. It's Shug Jordan. Bench taught me that. Right. Uh, so so make sure you say <laughs> Shug Jordan when you go down there.
0: All right. Are you, pick, are you officially picking Auburn or Penn State before you go?
1: No, I got, I got Auburn 19-17. to 17. That's where I'm going to go.
0: All right, we're both picking Auburn, so that's probably good news for Penn State fans. We will be back next week if we survive our trip to Alabama. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.